You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. podcast is brought to you by Penji. I'm your host, Jonathan Grisbowski, and today we have Aaron Price on the show. Aaron is the founder of Propelify, built to empower innovators. The Propelify Innovation Festival unites 10,000 plus innovators with talks, exhibitors, drones, virtual reality, investors, music, and so much more. Aaron is the founder of NJ Tech Meetup, NJ's largest technology and entrepreneurial community. I've known Aaron for a couple of years now, and he's been a partner of ours uh, at Penji. So full disclaimer, we've gone to his events, and they, in my opinion, are, are pretty game-changing. The New York-ish, even though it is New Jersey, it is relatively northern New Jersey, so the New York-ish market is, is completely different from Philadelphia. And if you ever want to get a better idea of what the New York market is like, then I'd recommend, if you're in the area, go to Propelify. And even if you're not in the area, I think you should still go to Propelify. I think it's an amazing event. It's uh, October 3rd, and Penji will be a sponsor. Aaron shares a few stories about his personal life in this episode, uh, but more so shares the story about his grind. The one thing that has been constant throughout Aaron's life has been his ability to empower the next generation of innovators. And I think the overall bottom line and the thing that you should probably take away with from this conversation is the idea of idea creation and idea implementation. Aaron started this entire business based off of the experiences of a meetup. And then that meetup then later turned into a 10,000 plus person event and has been consistently producing that throughout the years with the likes of incredible entrepreneurs being uh, keynote speakers at the event. The conversations that the conversation that Aaron and I had one of the things that I admire most about this conversation is the conversations that Aaron has had with other people, advisors, and also within himself. You could tell that he is a very calculated person and he promotes his he promotes that you too should be calculated. I think his approach to business and his approach to life, he's is is stellar. He's very thoughtful, and again, calculated when it comes to the execution process that he does. And he doesn't necessarily move unless the data shows him. So that's something that I hope that you can learn from, and so much more about this episode. So let's get to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co. P-E-N-J-I dot C-O and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, it's, it's an honor to have you. We've known each other for a while. We've attended your events. Uh, they are absolutely remarkable. We're going to get into all that in addition to uh, how to empower innovators, which I know that you're an expert at because you do it on a daily basis with Propelify. But before we begin, is it true that you ran a 5K in Sanuk sandals? And maybe I'm mispronouncing <laughs> this, but... They're called Sanuk sandals. Sanuk. flat sandals. And yes, my partner in Propelify runs a really great charitable 5K in Bayhead, New Jersey. And I made sure to be there to support him and I enjoy running. And I drove an hour and a half away, got there and realized I left my sneakers on my kitchen table. <laughs> you know, I applaud that you ran. I would have ran bare, bare feet if it was me. I think it ties into the whole entrepreneurial thing. Like I was not about to accept no as an answer as far as <laughs> going to run this race. So, you know, you got to do it. I thought I'd get a little support from the Sanooks. Maybe if I stepped on some glass, it would help, but it wasn't my best anything. Do you think that you ran faster? Do you think you I ran slower? definitely ran slower. Slower, yeah. Definitely had back problems a few days later that I wondered, you know, may or may not have been related. I was lifting a lot of heavy stuff that day too, but may, I wouldn't advise it, but, you know, persistence. Yeah, that is true. Uh, you always have to keep moving forward no matter what obstacles are thrown your way. So exactly. I, I applaud that. And, and in addition to that, uh, something that I would like to at least highlight is are the things that you're doing amongst many other things. But we originally met at uh, Propelify, which is an event that you throw on a yearly basis. Can you tell a little, everybody a little bit more about this uh, amazing opportunity for just that celebrates entrepreneurship, tech and innovation? Absolutely. So I, I, I mean, the real background here is I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I started the New Jersey Tech Meetup nine years ago and it's grown into the state's largest tech community. And meanwhile, the whole tri-states really uh, exploded with, with entrepreneurship and tech innovation and, and startups. And so I launched the Propelify Innovation Festival, which we host on Pure in Hoboken once a year, to bring together the entire tech ecosystem, really to empower people to build their businesses and careers. And so the day itself is uh, talks on two different stages. We've had, we've had Gary Vee, we've had the governor, we've had James Altucher, uh, Ariana Huffington, a lot of great speakers, um, booths, exhibitors, great companies like yours and all sorts of companies that help startups grow or people looking potentially to hire or find capital or find strategic relationships with corporates. DC speed dating. We did uh, interviews on a Ferris wheel with jet.com, <laughs> fireworks and drinks. And so the, the goal is to culturally represent the startup community, which is partly why it's called the festival, but also to make sure we provide really great content and opportunities for people to grow their businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so can you, let's talk a little bit more about this community that you're building and I, the word that comes to mind upon just reading more about you um, and the journey that you've had is just this idea of empowering innovators. Why is that so important to you? You know, I, so I have had a bunch of businesses before doing this. And it was a very isolating career path. And it wasn't until about nine years ago. So I, I'm, I'm 40. So until I hit, you know, early into my 30s, I had never found other people to consistently, you know, work with who became advisor, who could be advisors and just help in the process. Because I'm sure you can relate. 
Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tough career choice and people read about the, the, the good things, but they don't read as much about the bad things. And so, or the challenges, I should say, they're not, you know, they're not all bad, but the hard parts of the business of building a business. So I, 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 when I started the meetup, I found an enormous amount of pleasure and, and purpose in how much value it brought to the attendees of that event. You know, we bring in speakers and people would come up to me like, Oh my God, that was the most amazing thing I'd ever heard. And I'm going to do something differently and save time. And, and then I meet with founders more regularly and have breakfast and things like where, how do we help each other? And so for me, it became, uh, it was something I wish I had had earlier in my career. And I found a lot of pleasure in, in doing this for other people. And so Propelify was a way to, to kind of add scale to the meetup and do something at a much bigger level. Mm -hmm. Where do you see from your experience, whether it's like your personal, your personal businesses that you, that you grew or the people that you talk to, where do you see businesses? At what point do you see businesses starting to fail and need that help? And maybe they just don't realize it. I mean, I, I couldn't say at what point they start to fail, but I could say they, they are susceptible to failure from day, from moment one. And for me, surrounding myself with, you know, smart, experienced people was a way to reduce the risk of failure. Mm -hmm. And that's really the whole point. In fact, the, the word Propelify, you know, I, I chose that name because I hear good ideas all day long. And what matters is propelling those ideas into reality and maintaining that momentum. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's really hard and they, they can fail easily. And I don't think it's any one decision, but it's, it's a, a pattern of decisions over time that, you know, most people run out of time or money. And so, you know, I, I, for me, like I, I frequently tell people like in the simplest form, like you got to get out of the house, meaning you're working on your own thing in your home and isolated, you're most likely to have the more, you know, the most trouble. But if you start talking to customers, you start talking to potential investors, you start talking to advisors, you start getting help. It doesn't mean you should take all that opinion, all those opinions, by the way. But if you start talking to people, I think you reduce your chances of failure pretty dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the pattern, right? You mentioned the pattern of just like idea creation to idea implementation. Um, is there some things that you've used, some techniques or strategies that you've used in order to get your idea across or uh, maybe advise to the people that you talk to and work with on a, on a routine basis? Totally. I mean, I think number one to, you know, if we're talking very early stage, synthesize the concept in some kind of a, of a deck, probably intended to be for an, an investor, but it doesn't have to be. But by going through that exercise with the format of, here's the problem, here's my solution, here's the market size, uh, here's the team, here's some traction if you have any. It's not just good for to have that done for the other person. It's actually most beneficial, I think, for that, that founder to have thought through the business. Um, so that's number one is like very low tech. And you know, it's almost like the idea of create a business plan. I'm not a huge, like, I don't think you need to go write a, a Wharton style business plan, but I do think you need to think through, is this a business and what does it look like and how does it grow? And then it will also be a really valuable tool for other people. If you decide to raise capital or if you want to tweak it to use to, to as a selling tool or other, other, you know, as a way to recruit, 
it shows a level of, of thoughtfulness and professionalism that I think is important down the road and helps address issues in the short term. And, and I think it's also yeah. a good way to to at least have like some type of north star, even if you don't want right. to have that like that big um, uh, business plan of thirty something pages that that you look at at a Bible. At least have some type of documentation in order for you to look at on a routine basis to understand who you are and what it is that you do. That's right. That's exactly right. And that way you, you have a kind of especially in the early stage when you're still figuring out what the, what you're going to do, like what it's going to become. You might have a vision, but the market might tell you something a little different, and it'll keep you, you know, keep you a little more honest in the in the past. Um, and then you you also ask like with technology tools, like create a landing page, make it look great with maybe the help of Penji, by the way, and, <laughs> and then go spend five hundred bucks if you can on social media ads to see if anybody cares. Like when yeah, I first started my earlier businesses, it was really hard to do things like MVPs and see if anybody wanted to. My, my first business was my brother and I in high school patented a weightlifting device called the Body Weight Plus. Mm. He and I were doing lots of pull-ups and dips, and we wanted a way to add additional weight to our bodies for re additional resistance when you were doing a pull-up or a dip. Mm -hmm. And so we invented this thing. We spent some money patenting it, and I mean, I got a lot of stories here, but it turns out... The, the a total addressable market, the people who give a shit about uh, adding weight to their their own body weight for pull-ups and dips is super low. Most people can't do a pull, you know, 10 repetitions of a pull-up with their own body weight. Mm -hmm. So had we done something like created a landing page, targeted the uh, weightlifting community to see, are we solving an actual problem? We may have found out much more quickly that we weren't. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of thing people need to do day, like right away. Yep. And I, that, is, that is amazing advice. And, and thank you so much for that story and the transparency behind uh, a risk that you took. I think something that I know that as we are continuing to scale and grow Penji in particular, um, one of the hardest things to do is what was once written in the beginning is no longer applicable to what is now. Yeah. Um, and so I'd love to hear, I guess, maybe stories, another story like the one that you just told, where you, you kind of figured out that you didn't, what you, what you thought what it was in the beginning isn't what it is today. Oh, man, I got some, you know, they're all like that. I mean, even Propelify, which started as the festival, you know, now we do some other smaller events. Now we do a lot more with online community year-round. I mean, it, it's, maybe it's not the best example, but I could think about... Um, Another business I had called eFordables sold inventory online. And um, it was mostly excess inventory for from retailers like uh, Harley Davidson actually was our biggest, our biggest client. And we thought we'd be able to drive traffic directly to an e-commerce site, but eBay was really our biggest um, channel. We thought we'd be able to dictate pricing, but at the time especially, which was early 2000s, auctions were really like the the format that, that was required. Um, you know, trying to think of one that's a little bit more illustrative of like how things have changed. I, I, I guess it's hard for me to recall because they all change all the time. Like, yeah, if your mentality is this is what it's going to be, no matter what, that will probably be a disservice. Like there's a tension, right? There's some element of, I got to force this into the world because the world needs it. But there's also like, 
at some point the world starts to say, this isn't what we really want. And at some point you need to start to listen to that and realize I need to, I need to tweak it. So it's, for me, it's kind of become, I think, a mentality of listening, trying to adjust as opposed to like, oh, I remember four examples where I was way, you know, so wrong and I had to change everything. I think it's actually being iterative as you go. Um, even in your case, like, or I'm guessing you guys are at a place where you're starting to scale. I'm sure you're doing those iterations on like a, almost a day-to-day -day basis. Like, what are we hearing from the market? How do we tweak maybe our pricing or our service you know, model so that it stays relevant and competitive? You know, not necessarily sit down and look back in six months and go, oh man, we missed the boat. We just yeah, lost that yeah. customer base because we weren't paying attention. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Listening is such a critical point, uh, component to the success of what we've been able to do thus far. And, and I think it's such a, a, a basic, low-level way to go about in growing a business. But unfortunately, a lot of people just aren't able to, to do it. I don't know if that's like a lack of empathy or, or just a lack of understanding or even care. I, I don't really know. But I think something that is really cool that, that you do on a particular basis on, on a routine basis is the idea of just like uh, of staying true to your community and your community is relatively local. Um, you're based out of uh, at least northern New Jersey. You do a lot of work in Hoboken. You do a lot of work in other cities uh, surrounding that region. Why is that so important to you that that locality element to what it is that you do that you bring to your business? I would say it's a byproduct. Um, we, you know, we, we get about 10,000 people to the festival each year. 90% of them are from New York and New Jersey and 10% are from uh, literally all over the world. But that 10% is obviously a small number. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's so much activity going on in New York that um, it was really time to do something much, much bigger for the region. And I felt sort of uniquely positioned after having at the time sort of six years of the meetup behind me to bring something like that to life. And then the pier in Hoboken has this ridiculous, I mean, I'm, I'm big on finding something where you have an unfair advantage and Hoboken has an unfair advantage as far as the view of New York. Mm -hmm. And so we have a really special venue to bring everybody together. And that, so that's one of the reasons that we do it here, but it's not, you know, I'll talk about often like we, you know, the super, the New York Super Bowl happens to be in New Jersey at the Meadowlands. Mm -hmm. And I want what we do to be that kind of a best in class experience that happens to be in Hoboken, but not because it's in Hoboken. Mm -hmm. And I think it could travel. It's probably probably because of my stage of life. I got two younger kids and I don't want to be running around all the time. So probably it's probably just a byproduct of, of me. But it's also, I think, a special, unique place to do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that'd be awesome if you could if you could take us uh, uh, on the road with you. I, I think it'd be a, a huge need for the market. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you have to be able to understand what it is that you want at the end of the day, too, in life right. in general. Yeah. If I were younger and wanted to travel more, I mean, I do want to travel more. But if I didn't have a family that that you know, where I felt, a, I, you know, a very, I feel very strongly about being home as much as I can. Yeah. Um, I probably would have taken it on the road by now, but I'm, I'm good with where it is. And, and I think something that, that I, I, I definitely respect that answer. So again, thank you so much for the, for your honesty and transparency in that. 
when you're going through and, and I'm, I'm obsessed with the idea of community because I, I personally believe that your first 100 customers are probably within a five to 10 mile radius of where you're currently located. Um, but it's just like, I feel like the idea of that most people have is that, oh, I have a really good idea. I'm going to become a millionaire or a billionaire because my idea is going to be able to, is applicable to the general masses. But very rarely do people, are they focusing on the geographic location? Is there any advice or tips that you would recommend to people in order to attract um, the local attention to their business? You know, I had never thought of it the way you just said it. And I think you're absolutely right. And, and so my, you know, I run an event and so it has to happen in a physical place. And so the idea that it's local is sort of built into it. But even like you say, with something like Penji, the idea that your first hundred customers are in your geographic area, I think is a really wise way to put it because you're, you are in that area, your relationships are in that area. And there's a good chance your first customers are going to be via your relationships. And so I think it goes back to my original point, which is like, get out of the house. Yeah. And so whether that's like, go to conferences, which often you can get free tickets or discounted tickets to if that's an issue, go to meetups, which are highly accessible, um, reaching out to people. Like if you send a thoughtful, short note to 50 to hundred people, like, you know, 10, 20% of them will get back to you. And many of them will be willing to talk to you. Yeah. And so again, there's a geographic component to that too. Like, that might need to happen in person. And so I think you're absolutely right that, you know, getting, getting out of the house, finding people who you know or have some relationship with locally to get those first hundred customers is a really smart way to think about how to, how to start. Yeah. And, and I, I want to hear more about, I guess, your process when it comes to throwing an event because I've, we've thrown a uh, tons of events here and i'm sure a lot of people that are listening right now want to want to throw an event but they may not necessarily know how um so we've thrown three or four events that have broken capacity in the rooms you throw events that are ten thousand plus people how do you even navigate the the that whole process in order to make sure that it, it's not only done correctly but it, it's profitable for you as well yeah, that's a great question. It's really about creating process around all the functions of, that need to happen. And so whether you do an event for 20 people or 10,000, you still need a lot of the same fundamentals. In our case, there's quite a few more things we need, but you need sort of the key elements. And so what's interesting for me is, you know, I started as a, you know, I didn't get into this as much, but I, I really, my, my background's really as a tech entrepreneur. And what I've realized in the events space is if I treat, it, you know, the event is our product. And if we treat it like product development, then it can happen. Um, but what's, what's also interesting about that though, is like, I don't have the ability to say, you know what, there's some bugs in the product. It's not gonna be ready on Friday. Let's push it to Sunday or Monday. It has to happen. You know, 9 a.m. October 3rd, doors are opening. Mm -hmm. So we have to have our act together for that to happen. And so I would say partly it's like being massively organized. Um, another is leveraging, you know, you talk about the power of community and it's, a, it's sort of a touchy feely word, but we do that enormously here. We leverage enormous, you know, tons of people who help make this thing happen. Some paid contractors and tons unpaid volunteers who also value community and leverage this event as a way to build their own network. 
And so I empower those people to do lots of things. In fact, what I was doing right before this was talking to two people who lead our speaker team, who help program both of our stages, both of whom do it on a volunteer basis, and both of whom I try to empower as much as possible to do it on their own without me, in the, without me as, a, as a blocker. And so I think, you know, in building out a product, finding people who believe in you, like what's, relative, what's relevant, I think, for, for listeners here is probably like finding people who are willing to take a risk with you and then empowering them to do that so that you're not in the way. And then if you're organized in that process and you find yourself with a good team, that team might be one other person. It might be 50 other people. In my case, it's 50 to 100 other people. Um, your chances of success go up. If, you know, if, you, if you're not the, if you're organized, if you're a clear communicator and you empower others, um, I, I think that that's one of the reasons we've been able to make this work. And I think on the contrary, if you're not organized, then you become a terrible communicator and then you become a micromanager and start yeah. to just, you know, do whatever it is in order for, for you to get your point across. Totally. And I will say the first year of this, I did that a lot because I didn't know what we were doing. Mm -hmm. and so I think it came out in the form like you just described of like checking in constantly getting aggravated when things weren't done with people who I wasn't paying, by the way, like, so that you, that's not so reasonable, but yeah, like that's absolutely true. The more you can be prepared, it's kind of going back to like that deck, like the more thoughtful and prepared you are, the more likely you are to be ready for, for what's coming. How do you organize your thoughts then at that point? Uh, how do you organize yourself as just like uh, a human being uh, in order to, to get all this done? I use Trello. I, I've tried a lot of fancier tools and, and there's lots of other more sophisticated methods. But for me, I find Trello to be the most, the easiest way, both like on a desktop and on a mobile device and on the go to stay organized and prioritize what I'm doing. So as a process, I would say I've mastered this, but what I try to do is make sure I have really clearly defined short, mid and long-term goals and short being like the today and the this week. And then I regularly go in and reprioritize things. And as a million things come in, which they do, making sure they're, they're plugged into the prioritization there. Um, and it helps me stay, feel, feel and be less overwhelmed. If there's 15 different proposals out to potential sponsors, it's all in my head. I have this constant stress, which it was the first year, by the way. I had this constant stress of like, okay, what's going on with this one? What's going on with this one? What's going on with this one? And so now by prioritizing there, we, you know, for that specific, we also use HubSpot. Um, but that, that's, that helps me make sure things get done. Yeah. And then, so when you get these things done now, it's just adding fuel to the fire. Um, any techniques or strategies that you think can work for either people like yourself that are in the same situation or even businesses in order to scale? Because I think scaling is by far the hardest thing that anybody could ever do in your life. It is constant tweaking. It's constantly just like paying attention to it. But I'm always curious to hear other people's strategies and approaches to scaling. So what, what are some of yours? So I'll, I have two ideas. One's, one's like the theoretical and is really practical. The, the theoretical one is the, is the advice I'm giving, which is to surround yourself with great people, has also been a hard thing and empower them has also been a hard thing for me to do. Um, relinquishing control is difficult. Um, and so I, you know, I think the, the, the more you can operationalize something like, like, like in, you know, going, trying to go back to your case, if you figured out where your consistent acquisition channels are and can hand off that, that process to someone else to lead and you're not doing it yourself, like that's a successful step towards scaling. Mm 
if you're still super in the weeds and spending a ton of your time on something like that, then you, you're not focused on other things that you might need to be able to do uh, to grow. And so I think surrounding yourself with a really great team, really great people, being generous with those people, it doesn't have to be necessarily mean money, but making sure that they feel like there's purpose, there's obviously a money component, but that there's, there's a real drive to want to be excellent. Yeah. Um, it matters a ton. And then on a practical level, as I've scaled, like I get more overwhelmed with a variety of things. And so keeping track of stuff is hard. I do a lot on a mobile device. And I would say the number one tool that has helped me stay organized and helped me close deals. And in my case, deals might mean closing a big name speaker that we're trying to get to, to speak, or it might mean actually closing a sponsorship deal is a tool called followupthan.com. The way this works is you BCC a, um, uh, an address in any email and it will bring that email back up in your inbox in the designated time according to the email address. So what that means is if I email you and I add to the BCC field three days at followupthan.com, I can hit send in that email and if you haven't responded to me within three days, it will bring that email back up to the top of my inbox. Hmm. And it is the most handy way to make sure you stay on top of things, for, at least for me. Because yeah. if, if you're like me, you've got a thousand emails going at any time or, or any task. And if you don't, I, I, you know, I, try to, I try to be as efficient as possible. I don't wanna log 75 different things and create a new task here. Like I just want it to happen. And so for me, that's been the best way. I, I have a call this afternoon with a bank that I emailed this guy. I just counted nine follow-ups, hmm. respectful, professional but nine times over the last two months i've been hey just checking in here's an update can we do this and we're finally getting on the phone and i think i'll close them but guaranteed that wouldn't have happened if i didn't stay on top of it interesting I, i've never heard this tool before so i, I definitely want to dive in a little bit deeper um do you mind if if we if we dive just very brief into this so essentially what you're saying is that you have an email and uh, you send it to somebody, you, you tag whatever this software is through a BCC, and how does it know when to, um, to get back? If I put in the BCC, it, it, basically you have a, I have, I don't know, a, a contact of follow-up then in my, in Gmail, mm -hmm. and it's associated with, I don't know how many, a hundred email addresses. The email addresses are things like one day at followupthen.com. Follow two days of followupthen.com, three days, et cetera, one week, three, two weeks, a month. And so based on how long I want to wait until it pings me, that's the email address I use in the BCC field. So if I want to follow up with you tomorrow, I would BCC one day at follow-up then in the email. If uh, I want to follow okay, week, okay. Follow up with one week. At, you know, I think it's actually one W, one D, but you know, you get yeah. that. Interesting. Um, and so that's a way, you know, Yesware has something like this as well. Follow-up then is the one I use now, but there was just another one called followup.cc, which is very similar. I, I love these tools. Big, big fan. I also like use, I use virtual admins a lot. Like Fancy Hands is a go-to like part, part of my team. I mean, Penji, I mean, I, you know, this was, you didn't, you're not, you've never asked me to plug the Penji in the, in the discussion, but like it fits totally in my thesis around how do I get stuff off our plate and leverage resources? So we use Fancy Hands all the time to do a lot of stuff, reach out to people, update our website, create lists. I use Penji all the time 
to create little graphics, to update the website, like to do the things that I don't want to like, at least for now, um, make sense for us to outsource. Yeah. So I, I mean, if you're, if you're an early, I think if you're at any stage, but certainly if you're an early stage entrepreneur, time is not your friend. And the more you can get off your plate, the more you can automate with tools like follow up, then the, the better. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is huge um, here. I mean, the whole purpose of this podcast is just to help people who are lost or confused about business. And so these practical pieces of advice have been stellar and we're incredibly grateful for for your time, Aaron. So thank you so much for everything. I hope um, it's helpful. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely was. So as we come to a close, I, I want to be able to just tell everybody more about what it is that you have going on. Uh, you brought, you talked briefly about your event. Penji is going to be there um, in multiple levels of capacity. So I hope that if you're located within this tri-state region of Philadelphia, New York, et cetera, that you attend this event. It is a, a huge event. We get a lot out of it. Um, and it's just really cool to meet other people who are in the entrepreneurship community. But I'll turn everything over to you. How can people learn more about you? How can people learn more about your business and attend the event? So they can learn more about the business at propellify.com, uh, which is propellify.com. They can follow us on any social platform at, at, at or slash propellify. And uh, I'm most active actually through LinkedIn and, uh, and Twitter, which is LinkedIn is, you know, Aaron Price and Twitter is at AP Startup. But hopefully I'll see a lot of people, um, you know, some people will be inspired to come to the event where I, you know, if people are looking for ways to, surround themselves with a lot of the tools and people we just talked about, then that, that's what we're about with Propellify. It's not about, sometimes there's this misconception that it's, um, it's sort of just a fun excuse to not go to work for the day. And it's the complete opposite. It's a, it's a fun reason to go to work for the day. For the day. But if, you're, if you can't come to justify yourself to be there for business, you shouldn't attend. It's, it's you know, I think, a, one of the more fun business conferences to go to, but it is not a music festival. It's a place to, to really it is to, to meet other uh, innovators and investors and founders who, who want to help each other. Very cool. And all the links will be in the show notes in addition to your Twitter, which is AP Startup, at AP Startup. Um, awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Aaron Price. All right, listeners, I'm sending a challenge to you today where I'd like you to go to a networking event, maybe an event that you feel like you probably don't want to go to or you don't think that it could be a good opportunity, but I'm going to challenge you to actually go to that event. And when you do, make sure you tweet me at J. The reason why that I think it's important is because sometimes in life you realize that there may be opportunities outside of the walls of your office. There are many times where I, I thought to myself that I, I shouldn't go to this event, the people aren't there, etc., etc. but I end up finding and meeting somebody really awesome. So just go to that event, whatever it is. I know you have an idea in your head, or, and if you don't, find one. There's a ton of websites out there that you can find a, a local event. Um, and if you can, uh, feel free and drop a comment on this week's episode. You can find more about Aaron at Propellify.com, and you can even look up the tool that he uses, which is Follow Up Then, and there's actually an interview that will be done very shortly, so stay tuned for that. 
You can check Penji out at Penji.co if you need a simple, easy, and affordable graphic design solution for your business and head over to our podcast website, which is tbeshow.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to us if you were to share this podcast with a friend. It's the only way we can cure blindness in business. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.